It's almost like you should like do that for a living or something. <laughs> it's incredible, man. It's just a. Uh, this isn't what I'm going to talk about, but all these guys are really a testament <clears throat> to the fact that you can make just about any skill about leading people in worship, um, and you can do anything to the glory of God. It's a matter of how you do it and how you approach your craft and uh, the heart motive behind it. And that's one of the reasons I love those guys um, so much. Aren't they, aren't they great, man? I just love those guys. You do that. <clears throat> Okay, so we're going to uh, tackle kind of a fun topic tonight. <clears throat> um, the, the, I, the, uh, if you follow us on social media, th- then sometimes we'll try to kind of throw some teaser stuff out on Tuesdays or Wednesdays um, about what we're talking about. And initially, we're, we're going to kind of talk about spiritual warfare and demons and angels. Um, and we're going we're gonna to do that, but we're going to do that after a discussion that we're going to have tonight. So we're actually going to talk tonight about um, really more about what happens when you die. Okay? We're really talking about death. Uh, which, that sounds like a lot of fun, um, but we're going to talk about we're going to talk about death. Uh, what happens when we die? Why do we die? Um, what happens to believers when they die? And what happens to those who don't believe in Jesus? Um, and so we're going to talk kind of more about heaven, about hell, about um, death and the afterlife, and then the age to come. Okay. So what we're what we're kind of going to do tonight is we're going to start when anytime you you talk about eternal things you want to start with the end in mind you kind of want to start with the end of the story um, because the end helps us see how the parts in the middle go together right the end like if you know you, you've done this before if you if there's books that you've read before or maybe movies that you've seen um, that are <clears throat> um, movies that are uh, you, you know I'm thinking about movies like um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like a great movie guy. But you, you know, you know, movies that you see at the, once you've seen it once, you kind of understand. Oh, this is kind of how everything fits together. And you can kind of sometimes you can enjoy the story better once you know how everything fits together. Well, that's kind of how how we're going to approach tonight. So we're actually going to go to the very end, and we're going to talk about the end first, uh, and then we're going to go back and look and see where we are right, and we're actually going to go all the way back to the beginning and look at things how came how things started in the beginning, where we are now, and then ultimately how those things are are working towards um, the end. So I want to take your Bibles, if you've got them, and turn to Revelation chapter 20, okay? Revelation chapter 20. <clears throat> so we're going to start with the end in mind, beginning with the end in mind. And so let me say, set the stage for you. This is basically uh, the final chapter, the final uh, series of events, the closing uh, scene, so to speak, in human history, okay? If you want to know how the world's going to end, the world as you know it, as we know it, this is how the world's going to end, okay? It's going to end in a, in a great, giant, cosmic battle uh, between, <clears throat> between Jesus, there you go, side of, that's right, no zombies, no zombies, unfortunately. So it's going to end on, in, a, in a great cosmic battle that those of us who are believers will participate in, um, we'll, we'll, we'll be there, but we'll not participate uh, because we don't, our fight is done. Our fight is over. Jesus will fight for us. And, um, and um, so at the very end of however you interpret all of Revelations, our pastor's done a phenomenal job of preaching through and talking through the end times and Revelation. Um, and so this series, is, this sermon is not really about that, but it includes that. Uh, <clears throat> so however you interpret all those things, all the beasts, all the mark, all those things, you get to the very end. 
uh, and it becomes very crystal clear what happens. And, and we're going to start with um, start with verse seven, okay? Uh, and, and we're going to talk about Satan, who Satan. Just so you so you know, okay? Satan was uh, is a fallen uh, is a fallen angel. All right, he's a fallen angel. He's a he's a he's a spiritual being um, with with spiritual powers, uh, but but not with without any ultimate authority. So he doesn't have any ultimate authority. And ultimately, you're going to see that he uh, is subject and has always been subject uh, to, uh, to the one true living God. Okay? So let's jump in and uh, kind of screw your thinking caps on, and then we're going to leave some time at the end for questions if you have some. All right? And when the th- This is verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle, their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay? So things do not end well. And then I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on it from, from this. So that, that was the judgment for Satan um, for, for Satan and his angels, okay? Then I saw a great white throne, and him who is seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place, was found, uh, no, no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the book, according to what they had done. Catch this principle, okay? That every single person is judged according to what we do, okay, according to what we do, and you're judged based off what book you're in, and how you get in those books are kind of what one of the things we'll talk about tonight. <clears throat> then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, okay, so this is, this is hell giving up the dead, and we're going to talk about people who, why people go to hell and what hell is, all that stuff, but Hell and death and Hades give up the dead that were in them, and they are judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Notice this. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Notice, heaven is coming down. Okay, A new Jerusalem is coming down out of the clouds, out of heaven, back down to earth. And God wants to be with his people Look at verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, and the former things, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment." The one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, 
sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be made in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear and crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and the gates were twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the Son of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates, and on the north, three gates, and on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the apostles of the Lamb. And it continues on. <clears throat> okay. um, this is, this is uh, the apostle John, and uh, writing, he's seeing this vision okay, on an island, um, and, and God's revealing to him the end of the age so that he can see and write these things down and tell us how the story ends. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to kind of work backwards from what we know to be true, and I want to kind of work backwards and help us kind of fill in some gaps along the way. All right, can we do that together? All right, can we do that? Okay, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. Father in heaven, God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the clarity of the scriptures on, on these things. God, there's several things and, and many questions that are unanswered about, about the life to come, and there's several things that we don't know, uh, but God, there's a lot that you do reveal to us, and I thank you that you've revealed so much to us about how you've created us, uh, about how you've, how you've uh, uh, initiated this search and rescue operation to rescue us from our own sin and from our own destruction and how you've rescued us to this new coming kingdom. And God, I pray that you'd give us clarity tonight, uh, help us to see things with spiritual eyes, and ultimately, Lord, I pray that you'd transform our hearts. Help us not just to collect knowledge about spiritual things and about eternal things, but God, I pray that we would take the knowledge of the eternal things and help us uh, help us to develop a heart for people, uh, and ultimately a care and a concern for those who don't know Jesus and for their eternal destiny. God, I pray all these things and hope all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. <clears throat> you have to understand, before we jump into what is the biblical worldview, you have to understand that, that, that our worldview, the biblical worldview, and I'm speaking from the, from the perspective of an evangelical Christian, and if you're with us tonight, and that's not where you're at philosophically, theologically, spiritually, uh, that's not who you are. That's okay. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we, we want this to be a place of free exchange of ideas. We obviously have a biblical perspective. That's who we are. Uh, and we're trying to train our students and people that are, that are familiar and acquainted with our church and what, and what a biblical worldview looks like. Um, but there, there are, you have to understand there's a lot of different options out there. And you, you have to understand uh, that your worldview affects everything uh, that you believe and every part of who you are. And, every, uh, and especially as you approach a subject like death, and, and what happens after death, there are some pretty wide-ranging opinions. Uh, but it's something that almost everybody in every worldview certainly has to answer questions for because it's something that we, we, we know intuitively we're all going to die, right? I mean, we're all going to die. We're all faced with that reality uh, that death is ultimately going to come for us all and that we don't know when that's going to happen. Two realities that every person of faith, death is going to come for us all. Most of us, most of us would like to believe that we're going to be given very long uh, and healthy and vigorous lives, but, but the reality of it is uh, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. In fact, none of us are guaranteed the next hour, the next minute, or the next second. Death comes for us all, and none of us know the time, place, or hour. Okay? So this, there's, I want to highlight some, some different perspectives on, on life and death and afterlife so you can kind of begin to build a mental framework 
for some of the other uh, opinions. And maybe you can even identify through, through uh, songs that you know or through artists or through uh, TV shows or ideas or books or thinkers, um, uh, things that you've seen on Twitter and social media. Maybe you can begin to identify some of these things uh, because you're around them quite a bit. Uh, the first and probably the most popular in, in the United States is the, is the perspective of naturalism. Okay? Naturalism uh, basically says uh, that, that, that we exist without a soul, okay? that, that, that our bodies are just our bodies and that our life is just our life and what happens between life and death here on this earth is all there really is. And, so the, and if that's what you believe, okay, um, at, least, at least people that believe this are, are fairly consistent, uh, the natural kind of inclination then is, would be to have as much fun as you possibly can, to enjoy life as much as you can, uh, to not worry about the presence or the idea of something being right or something being wrong, not to, not, to, not to really contribute anything to society, but just to be a consumer, right? Consume pleasure, consume joy, uh, consume things that make you happy, feed your, your, your kind of inner self and just kind of do whatever makes you happy. If you've ever heard anybody say, right, that the ultimate goal in life is to find what makes you happy and to be happy, okay? Um, that's a naturalistic philosophy. That's a naturalistic worldview, okay? This is the worldview um, that, that kind of drives the argument for uh, something like gay marriage, okay? Right? That love is the ultimate, that, that emotion is the ultimate expression of happiness, uh, and that we should not do anything that would prohibit somebody from, from feeling this ultimate sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and emotional connectedness, okay? Um, so it's the worldview, it's the idea, the understanding that, that the body is so separate, that, 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 that the body exists without a soul, uh, and, so, and so you should just do whatever really ultimately feeds and makes, makes the body um, happy. So you pursue, you, you just the natural kind of outcome is you just pursue joy, happiness, you live it up, all right? The second, the second kind of big idea uh, is <clears throat> universalism, okay? Universalism is the idea that everybody goes to heaven, ultimately. Everybody, right? That all roads, all, if you've ever heard anybody say this, okay? If you've ever heard somebody say something like this, that I just kind of believe that the most important thing is that if you believe in God and ultimately, ultimately, everything's going to kind of, ultimately, God will just kind of bring everybody together all as one. Uh, and, and anybody that just believes generally in God or believes in something, some higher power, um, this is kind of Oprah theology, all right, that just everybody kind of believes all as one, um, then, then, then everybody will kind of be okay. It's called universalism, all right? <clears throat> it's called universal. The problem with universalism is... Um, it, it makes room in an afterlife um, for some pretty shady characters, okay? It, it, it makes room in the afterlife for some pretty shady characters. Um, you kind of have to make a provision for somebody like Hitler. You have to make a provision for somebody like Stalin. You have to make a provision for somebody like Osama bin Laden, okay? There's, there's going to be kind of a plethora of rapists and pedophiles, and, and people that, that, that live a life that glorifies hurting and harming other people and that denigrate um, God and the scriptures, like everybody just, kind of, everybody just kind of ends up in the same place ultimately. And so you kind of have to ask yourself, how fair is that? 
right? How just is that? How does that make any sense? There's no, there's no recourse then? What that, what that basically means is kind of the same thing as naturalism. There's no recourse for what happens. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of, of naturalism in that sense. There's no recourse for what happens in between life and death. It minimizes what you're doing right now, and it kind of, it kind of makes, makes you ask the question, so what does all this matter? Right? Like, I mean, what's to keep me from, from just doing some of these heinous things that you read on the news? If, if ultimately we all end up in the same place anyways, I mean, <laughs> what's it matter between life and death? Right? That this, that, 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 it, that nothing matters. Um, and that, that, that certainly can't be. Because right? imprinted in, in all of us is this overwhelming sense that, that there's got to be something more. Right? It's, called, it's called the ontological proof of God. There's, there's got to be, there's gotta be more than just this. Certainly there's, certainly there's this, this thing that's placed within us, this, this greater sense that certainly this can't be it. Certainly this can't be all there is. Um, we talked about Catholicism last week, and we briefly touched on this. Catholicism, which is a, uh, uh, <clears throat> Catholicism, one of the major differences between um, Evangelical Christianity, like the biblical worldview, and, and, and Catholicism. Catholicism basically teaches that um, for, for up to thousands of years, um, and before you go to heaven, you'll go to a place called purgatory, where you pay or continue to pay uh, for sins that were essentially that, that, that you weren't, that, that you never confessed or you never sought forgiveness for. It's kind of, I'm kind of blowing down the position. Um, but that doesn't jive with, with passages like. Um, Colossians chapter 3, for example. Let me read for you Colossians chapter 3 and, and, and uh, kind of works, <clears throat> works against the whole idea um, that our sins are forgiven ultimately. This is Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse, um, or Colossians chapter 2, sorry, verse 13 uh, and 14. It says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. God's forgiven all of our sins by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, that all of our sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus, and God set aside and paid for all of our debt when we put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus. Okay? And so why would you have to go and pay for sin that Christ had already paid for? It made the death of Christ uh, incomplete, unsubstantial, not, not fully complete or fully effectual for all of our sin, and that, that, that weakens the power of Jesus. Uh, that, that, that can't be. It doesn't make sense. Uh, of course, there's, there's many in Eastern uh, religions that believe, and many in Hollywood and other places that believe in some kind of reincarnation. Okay, this is the idea of, of um, <clears throat> the idea that as you, you, you live uh, and then you die, uh, and because essentially the bad things kind of outweigh the good things, you get a chance to do life over again. Uh, and you're reincarnated uh, as either a lower being or, an, or a higher being. And this, this the, the kind of general idea of that religion or that worldview is hijacked uh, and goes a million different directions. It's almost impossible for us to, to chase them all. But, but effectively, you, you continue the same cycle of living uh, with the same moral code, the score sheet, but you're just trying to, could, you're trying to get an, it's like a, it's like hitting reset on a, on a video game. You're just trying to collect more good points than bad points uh, until ultimately you reach a state um, where 
ultimately, the goal is to reach a state where you get more good things, you do more good things than bad things, uh, and, and then you're released from the person as well, and your soul or spirit goes uh, someplace kind of random, all right? Um, and, it just, and, and, of course, one of the big problems there is how, how in the world would you ever know? How do you know what life you're on? How do you know what life you came from? How do you know the score? It's just there's, there's too much ambiguity to it. It can't be, it, can't, it doesn't make sense. There's not enough order. Uh, <clears throat> and it just sounds kind of weird, um, <clears throat> too. All right, so, so we come back to this idea of Hebrews chapter 9, that all of us, right, all of us are going to die. It's appointed for a man once to die, and then we see from the Scriptures, we see judgment. Okay? All of us are going to die, and then judgment. Uh, what we have to understand first and foremost is that's not how God intended it, okay? Death is not something that God initially intended. Death is an enemy. If you're taking notes, write this down. Death is an enemy, okay? Death is an enemy. Genesis chapter 2, <clears throat> we see death come on the scene for the first time. God initially created Adam and Eve to live together forever in the garden with him. When we look at these, anytime we look at a subject or something like this, we always look at it through the grid of creation fall redemption. We look first at how did God create us, how did the fall affect it, and ultimately how is God going to redeem us towards that. The first thing we look at, how did God create Adam and Eve? He created them perfect, right? He created them perfect. They enjoyed one another. They're naked. They're not ashamed. Their job is to procreate and to, and to rule and subdue the earth and the garden, right? It's a pretty good job description. Adam and Eve kind of screwed it up for all of us, okay? <clears throat> but ultimately, what you're going to see is that we return to the garden, with the same job description as Adam and Eve, all right? It's, pretty good, it's a pretty good deal. It's something to look forward to. Um, but in between Genesis 2 and Revelation 19, death is the enemy. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 underscores this well, okay? That death is the enemy of God and the enemy of, of us all. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that death does, beyond obviously just ending our physical body, is it separates something that God never intended to separate, the body and the soul, Okay? We're comprised essentially of two parts or two things, a body and a soul. The Bible sometimes will use the word spirit, um, and, and you, can, you can make some minor distinguishing, but for the sake of tonight, we exist as two primary, and two primary, uh, two primary things. A, there's a body, a physical body, and there's a soul, a spirit. Right? And so what happens in death is that the body does what? It dies, right? And it goes where? To the ground, right? Body goes in the ground, right? You may choose to be cremated, um, <clears throat> but but there's still particles there if you're taking sign, right? Like the body goes somehow, ultimately it goes into the ground. The soul or the spirit <clears throat> goes um, instantly to either heaven or to hell. Okay, so that's what we're going to kind of look at. Um, it goes instantly to the afterlife, Matthew 25, 26. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm just gonna, we're going to fly through some some scriptures and stuff uh, so that we can get to the end. Matthew 25. 26 says this. <clears throat> um, uh, I wrote down the wrong verse, so we'll skip that, all right? <clears throat> wrote down the wrong verse, sorry. Uh, Matthew 25, 20, or, or not Matthew 25, but instantly the soul goes to the afterlife, okay? Soul goes to the afterlife. For the believer, okay, for the believer, the soul or the spirit goes instantly to be with Jesus, okay? It instantly goes to be with Jesus and waits in heaven for the new for the new uh, the new heavens and the new earth for the new creation, okay. God's building and all of this is building. We're building towards the return of Jesus, the coming of the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth, and a, and a brand new physical earth on this planet, okay. 
on this planet, but it's going to be different. It's going to be the same, but it's going to be different. All right? Um, John 5, 24. John 5, 24. Instantly, the believer's soul goes to be with Jesus. John John chapter 5, uh, verse 24 Truly I truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but also passes from death to life. Okay. There's no judgment in the sense there's no punishment uh, or condemnation, which is Romans 8, chapter 1. There's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus, uh, but there's, there's immediately passing over from death to life for the believer. Okay. So where does the Spirit go? Well, it goes to heaven. It goes to heaven. What is heaven? Okay. Heaven is uh, essentially, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a third, the, the Bible uses heaven to describe several different places. Okay. The sky, like where birds fly, is referred to the heavens. Okay. The, the, the sun and the stars and the moon, that's referred to heaven. And then there's, there's a, a place, a throne room, a divine throne room where Jesus is. Okay. And that's where our spirit goes. Those of us who are believers our spirit goes to heaven okay, to receive our reward. And the reward is conditional upon your deeds. It's conditional upon what you do. There's an accountability factor um, that we're accountable for the gifts and the, um, the gift and the talent and the opportunity uh, and the, the natural things, the natural God-given things that God gives us and opportunities, we're accountable for those things. And we're rewarded accordingly, according to our faithfulness uh, in, in, in doing those things, okay? So there's, some, there's different levels, and I, I, don't, I don't fully understand it, but there's different levels in, in essentially status of heaven, all right? Um, I don't know what all of the rewards are. I know some of them, okay? Some of the rewards <clears throat> um, are just based off of, of like Luke chapter 19, okay? Luke chapter 19, verses, verses 12 through 27 um, is, is, a, is a parable, Basically, of of um, of, <clears throat> of talents or five um, little little pieces of coin or, or, or money. But when he finishes in verse twenty five, he said, um, verse twenty six says, "I tell you that everyone who has who has more, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me." Okay, so to whom much is given, much is required, uh, and and much more is rewarded for opportunity. In, um, he says the same thing in First in Thessalonians chapter two, okay, a di- little different way. First Thessalonians chapter two, uh, verses three through six. First um, Thessalonians two, three through six. Uh, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, um, but, but as a pretext, God is a witness. Man, I made, the, um, somehow, I, in my notes, guys, I, I apologize. I totally messed up some of my references. I, I apologize. I'll try to put out a, a sheet and correct all this stuff. Um, one of the rewards, Genesis chapter 1, okay, the, the renewed partnership with God, uh, a new a friendship, a relationship with God, Genesis chapter 1 tells us, um, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20, Paul seems to kind of indicate um, 
uh, when he says, First Samuel 2, 19 and 20, he says, For what is our hope or our joy or our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Is it not the relationships and the impact that we've had on other people? For you are our glory and our joy. He's talking about the believers there in Thessalonica, that, that um, our impact on other people, that's part of our reward. Um, and ultimately, ultimately, um, it's, to, it's to be with Jesus, right? The reward is that we're face-to-face uh, we're face to face with Jesus. That is that is the reward. That's the aim, um, and that's and that's where we are. For the unbeliever, okay. Um, for the unbeliever, and just so you know, the Bible doesn't really talk a whole lot about heaven and what it's like. Okay, Jesus doesn't hardly he, Jesus hardly ever talks about heaven and what it's like, um, other than that there's some degree of 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 different reward for 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 all of us. Okay, um, for the unbeliever. It, it makes up about 13%. If you take all of the things that were written down about what Jesus said, about 13% of it is written about judgment uh, or hell specifically. About 13%. That's a pretty big percentage. Of all the parables that Jesus told and that were recorded in the Bible, over 50% of those have to deal with, with judgment uh, or, or have to deal with hell specifically. Okay, over 50% of the parables and over 13% of, of the totality of what Jesus said um, hell is a place of, of, <clears throat> of um, it's, it's a place of torment, okay? Um, I'm, just, I'm not going to read these scriptures to you, but I'll kind of walk through just kind of a, a, a laundry list of um, everything it's described. In Matthew 13, um, 18, and Revelation 19, um, the Bible talks about hell being a place of fire, of continual fire that never is, is extinguished. Uh, in Matthew 25 and in Jude 13, there's talks about hell being a place of darkness, Okay? place of darkness, place of fire um, and of darkness. In Revelation chapter 14, um, it talks about it being a place of eternal punishment, okay? And judgment and punishment, just eternal punishment. Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 25, Luke chapter 19, all talk about hell being a place that we're excluded from the presence and the goodness and the grace of God. That it's it's a total, it's the total absence of anything good, Anything, anything good or, or the total absence or exclusion from, from God himself. In Revelation chapter 14, it talks about hell being a place of eternal restlessness. Okay, you know, just that feeling of just not being settled and not being, comf- not being comfortable and not, of, of just being just restless all the time. <clears throat> uh, in Revelation chapter 2 and 20 and 21, hell talks about, uh, hell's referred to as a place of second death. Of a, of a second death. <clears throat> and then perhaps maybe uh, the most, um, w- one of the more famous, Matthew chapter 13, he also talks about it in Matthew chapter 22, again in, in, in Luke chapter 13, that hell is a place of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. A weeping and gnashing of teeth, of people crying out um, in agony. Okay. Um, there's no hierarchy to hell, all right? Uh, one of the common kind of misperceptions about hell is that Satan, it's Satan's own little kingdom and that Satan is, the, there's no hierarchy in hell whatsoever. Satan has no authority or rule or reign there. It's a place created for his demise and his punishment and all those who ultimately don't, do not love God, okay? And, and don't respond to the love of God. So hell, there's, it's designed um, for Satan and his angels. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, if you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 25, uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 10 and 11, describe hell as being a place where Satan is punished 
Satan and his angels are punished. Okay? Um, the, the rationale, if you're looking for a rationale, like why would God create a place like that? Why would God send people to a place like that? Take your Bibles and turn to Thessalonians chapter, um, 2 Thess- Thessalonians chapter 1. Okay? <clears throat> so, this is, so we're kind of talking about why judgment, why hell, why separation, where's the, where's the, where's the rationale for that in the scriptures? One of the places in, is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 6. It says, Since indeed God considers it just to replay with, repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant belief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, it's talking about Matthew, or talking about Revelation chapter 20, um, when, when the Lord Jesus is revealed to us, his mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and for the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to the glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who are believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? It's that Jesus is worthy of worship and praise. Okay? The rationale is that Jesus is worthy of worship and praise. Jesus is worthy of our affection and our obedience. <clears throat> and God demonstrated his love for us and sent Jesus to us to die for us and die in our place and to absolve uh, this conflict of sin and to make, uh, to, to make a, a, a place or a means of reconciliation in Christ. Okay. And so it's not that God is is is. Um, actively sending anyone to hell, God is actively sending everyone a lifeboat or rescue in Jesus. And it's that, and, and, and hell is a place where those who, who reject the love of the gospel and reject the free offer of salvation that comes to them in Christ, it's their natural place. It's the, it's the, it's the waterfall that they're ultimately floating to um, and the lifeboat or the rescue uh, <clears throat> of Jesus is rejected um, and in and they're turned over to themselves. Okay. C.S. Lewis kind of famously said, you either say to God, thy will be done, and you accept God's plan for your life and God's purpose for your life in Jesus, or God eventually says to you, thy will be done. That if, to, to us, that if we, if we ultimately reject over and over and over the gospel, then you're choosing and taking upon yourself um, the wrath of God. Um, perhaps in, in Mark chapter 9, maybe the scariest, uh, in, in, um, scariest description of hell, uh, there's, there's a Greek word called Gehenna. It was a place, a physical place in Jerusalem in, in biblical times, which was, um, it was uh, the place where they would, would dump all the things to, to the Jewish people that were unclean, Okay? All the things that were unclean or the things that were under, um, under judgment. And so the bodies of criminals, um, certain animal carcasses, uh, it eventually kind of became a, 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 the, the, the kind of the town dump for, for things that were considered dirty like feces and, uh, and things like that is this, the, the place uh, where you put the nastiest of the nasty things, Okay. 
the place where he put the nastiest of the nasty things. And in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 47, um, he says, And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than the two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That, all that, all of verse 48 right there um, is the word, the Greek word Gehenna. It's using a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salt with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, he's talking about, um, talking about living righteously for God. But he uses this one word, this place, this physical place, Gehenna, this place of, of suffering uh, and the dirtiest of the dirty where, where, um, where there's just constant, um, where the worm you know, never has enough to eat and the fire is never extinguished. It's a place of suffering uh, and, and is, is dark and dirty. Uh, it's a place of punishment. <clears throat> and, that's, and that's kind of how Jesus talks about hell. Um, <clears throat> and so for the unbeliever, uh, unbeliever, the spirit goes to that place immediately. And at that point, there's no recourse. There's no amnesty. There's no second chance. Uh, that's it. Okay? That's it. Um, Luke chapter 16 <clears throat> Luke chapter 16 recounts a story uh, of just that, of, of, a, of, of two men, one who dies and goes to heaven, one who dies to go to hell. Um, and, and, and it's a parable where they could talk to each other and you see the destructive nature of hell and this, this, this suffering and the, the desire um, for, for him to be saved and if he can't be saved, for his buddies to be saved. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's real and it's moving and it's, it's heartbreaking. Okay. Um, now, so what happens eventually? So believers ultimately go to heaven. Um, unbelievers ultimately immediately go to hell and, and stay there throughout the, the rest of human history okay. until eventually um, the final events of the book, the book of Revelation are culminated and Jesus returns in the sky. And we, and we talk about that. And, and that passage that we read at the very beginning, that happens. And Jesus returns to judge Ultimately, everyone, right? Who's, their spirit, for the believer, their spirit is reunited with their body, um, and they're, they're given new, new bodies, um, <clears throat> new physical bodies that will inhabit a new physical earth that is recreated uh, without any sin whatsoever. Okay? Uh, and, and the bodies and the spirits of those who have rejected Christ throughout all of the ages are, are cast into the lake of fire and, uh, and are judged finally once and for all. And they're destroyed. All right. So uh, what do we do? All right. That's the question. So what? <clears throat> um, I want you to look real quick at, uh, at 1 Timothy chapter 2. And this will be the last scripture that we look at. Tonight. First, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. First Timothy, First Timothy, chapter two, verse four. Um, talks about talking about God. It says in verse three, it says, "This is good and is pleasing in the sight of our of our God and Savior, who desire that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth." Um, in Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, and Acts chapter twenty, verse um, thirty-one. Um, this, this 
theme emerges, that God doesn't desire that anyone would experience uh, the darkness of, of hell and the ultimate destruction. That it's God's desire that every person and every knee would bow and every person would respond in faith to the reality that Jesus is Lord, that he sacrificed on the cross for sin, that he was raised in the power of the resurrection, and he stands willing to advocate on our behalf to God the Father and to save us from a lifetime of despair and to save us to something greater. Not just heaven, because heaven is really just a foretaste of a new earth, a, a redeemed, recreated physical earth where we, where we co-heir and co-labor with Christ um, here. And, we, and we, we subdue the earth and cultivate the earth together uh, and enjoy one another in redeemed physical bodies. So here's what I want to do. I just want to ask you to do something real quick. And the band's going to come up, and they're going to, we're going to play just for a moment, and then, um, and, then we're going to, uh, and then we're going to be dismissed, okay? <clears throat> um, I just want you to do something. Just close your eyes just for a second, and we're not going to light any candles and sacrifice any animals or anything like that, okay? Um, but just, <clears throat> just close your eyes just for a second, and I want you to kind of think. Uh, and we've moved through a lot of things real quickly, and we've, we've talked about a lot of Scripture, and we've thrown a lot of things out there. I want you to just kind of think to yourself, right? Think to yourself, hey, where am I spiritually? And death ultimately is going to come for us all. And if it came for me tonight, do I know with any, any degree of certainty whatsoever, do I know where I would go and what I would do? Do I know where my soul would instantaneously go? Would it instantaneously go to be with Jesus? And when I got there, would Jesus, would he see me and recognize me and, and, and see me as a child of God? Or would my soul... Is there some question where it would go, or do I know for certain that I'm not a believer in Jesus? I've rejected the love of God. I've rejected the rescue and the help thus far. And my question to you tonight would be, do you, have you rejected him long enough? Are you ready tonight to maybe make tonight the time when you accept Jesus and you, and you put your faith and trust in him and you accept his plan for your life In fact, we're going to bring the lights down here just for a moment. And as the band begins to play, I want you to think about that, and I'm going to ask you one question. Some of you, many of you, maybe all of you, know exactly where you would go and what would happen to you. I suspect, though, that there are some who don't. I suspect that there are some who know for certain that they're not believers. And, that, and what we're going to do is we're going to give you just very, very, um, very quickly, we're going to give you an opportunity to to change your eternal destiny tonight, right here in this room. To transfer your hope and faith and trust from yourself and your own ambitions and your own goals and your own dreams and your own talent and ability and take on the righteousness of Jesus Christ who died in your place and was raised in the power of the resurrection. That's what we're gonna do right now. So here's what I wanna do. The lights are down, nobody's looking around. I just wanna ask you just one question. If you're willing to say tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know I need to make a change, a radical change in direction in my life. And I'm ready to take on, and I, don't know all, I don't know all that it means, but I'm ready to take on, I'm interested, I wanna follow Jesus tonight. And I've never done it before. I want you just to, do, just, to just slip your hand up. Just trust me that I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything you don't wanna do, but slip your hand up. you want any other here's what we're going to do we're going to stand and sing together
You put your hand up. We're going to stand and sing together. As we do that, I want you just to slip out and I want you to, I want you to step to the back. Okay? And there's, a, there's some college students, some adults that want to, just want to talk with you if you want to. Okay? If you want to. If you didn't raise your hand, but you have some questions, you want somebody to pray with you, you're welcome to come to the front. You can step to the back. We have adults all across the room uh, that are willing to talk with you, willing to pray with you. If you want to take somebody with you, if you came with a friend and you want to take somebody with you, want you to do that right now. We're, I'm going to pray for us. We're all going to stand and sing, and you just slowly slip out, and we'll and we'll uh, we'd love to talk with you and pray with you uh, some more. Father in heaven, God, thank you for tonight, for the clarity of your scriptures, and God, I pray um, now for the courage and conviction of those who you who you're spoken to tonight. I pray, God, that you would help them, give them the courage to stand out and to move and to speak to someone in Jesus' name. Amen.